0: Hi and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. My name is Mary Jo McGuire, owner of MJ Nutrition. I have a degree and master's in nutritional science and I'm studying to be a nutritional therapist also. I work with women every day who want to lose weight, improve their relationship with food, hack their hormones, regulate their cycle, restore their periods, learn about nutrition for hormonal balance, help women come off the pill and lots more. This podcast will be a place to talk about all things female health related, from periods to the pill, weight loss, diets, fertility, acne, PMS, and lots, lots more. I hope this platform to be educational and empowering, so women can take charge of their health, their hormones, so they can feel and look their best at all stages. Hi and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. I'm your host Mary Jo and today I am joined by the brilliant Brian Keane. So most of you probably already know Brian uh, but for those of you who don't he is an online fitness coach, entrepreneur, author and the host of the Brian Keane Fitness Podcast uh, and I suppose an all-around fountain of knowledge when it comes to education around fitness health and fat loss. So yeah I am so grateful to have you here today Brian. Thank you so much for coming on and welcome to the podcast.
1: My pleasure, MJ. I am really looking forward to having a proper chat. I know we, we've reorganized a couple of times, so I'm really looking forward to having a talk.
0: Absolutely. Same same as. So, Um, yeah, like basically what I wanted to kind of get you on for really today is, as obviously the name of the podcast, my own podcast, The Seema Health Podcast, I want to chat with you on your your approach of working with uh, women around fat loss, health and nutrition, I suppose, and what's your approach with them? And suppose I know you work with both males and females. Do you think, or do you have a different approach, or do you think there is a different approach needed when it comes to working with uh, females around fat loss?
1: Oh yeah, I think like there's a good, I've got Dr. Stacy Sims on my podcast in the next couple of weeks, and she's got a book and speaks about that, you know, women aren't small men. Yes. And I think that's a, a very appropriate way to look at females and males when it comes to their nutrition, when it comes to the training, when it comes to just lifestyle in general. Now there's definitely some generalities that are going to support both. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, an approach with nutrition that includes lots of nutrient dense foods, complex carbs, healthy fats, complete proteins, fruits and vegetables. I think that works for both genders. But when it comes to actual Hormonal balance. When it comes to how energy levels are ebbing and flowing through the month. When it comes to things like cravings around your time of the month with females. I think those are the main differences that yeah. need to be approached when it comes to any coach. I know you do the same with with the people yeah. that are following you that you're working with. That it's very much a case of realizing that everyone is going to be different not all guys are the same not all girls are the same guys and girls are different from one another and then using some of the general principles that we can get into alongside specific tactics based on how your body responds so for example you know if you have a female who gets really bad cravings every month some don't like i've worked with females in the past who have no issues their energy levels plummet so we'll back off from their training but they'll be like well my cravings are fine where i'll have others who are like i'll sell my firstborn for a chocolate bar you know a, a week before my my period so you're, you're taking different approaches based on the individual but of course there's going to be generalities that people can apply so if you're listening to this podcast you can go and do it straight away and then obviously some of the things yeah. we'll touch on they might be very contextual to you you're like oh I'm actually like that yeah. I'll apply or, or, or try this trick here Uh, so yeah that, to answer your question I think it's a different approach that's needed oh,
0: yeah absolutely And it's like that every single one of us are completely individual and there's no one size fits all when it comes to nutrition. So yeah, it's about applying the general principles and then kind of getting to know your own client as those and figuring out what they need this is, um, in specific areas. And um, when you touch there on the general principles, I suppose just uh, anyone who maybe is listening to this for fat loss may just want to know of those general principles. I talk about this a lot. I probably have people on it. You probably talk about this every single day. But I just kind of want to, to make this simple for someone uh, who is starting off, maybe wants to lose a bit of weight, and um, as as a female, but still give them the general guidelines. Where would where would you get someone to start off with?
1: Well, I work off what I call the pyramid of prioritization when it comes to fat loss. Like there's only effectively one thing you need to do to lose body fat. Now, just to clarify before I get into that... Weight loss and fat loss are two different things. Yeah. You know, weight loss is, you know, you know this. I know you've talked on this on, on previous podcasts. Like weight loss is reducing the numbers on a scale. Like, especially with females, that's going to ebb and flow through the month. That's going to ebb and flow even through the day. You know, yeah. if you're bloated, if you're backed up, if you've had excess water, excess salt, all of these things are going to impact weight. That's not body fat, but it will impact the numbers on a scale. Mm-hmm. Fat reduction and fat loss is reducing the amount of fat on your body. They're two different things. Yeah. You know, and one of the just to digress slightly, one of the mistakes that I'll see with a lot of my females, particularly my males and guys as well, but definitely my females is that they'll confuse the two things and they'll be tracking weight loss when what they actually want is fat loss. When somebody says, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm like, okay, what does that mean to you? They're like, well, I want to look better in my clothes. I want to feel more confident when I don't have clothes. I want to, you know, be leaner and more toned. I'm like, well, that's not weight loss. I'm like, that's fat loss you're talking about. And the example that I give is it's like checking the number in your bank account to determine how good you are in bed. I'm like, those two numbers, don't necessarily (laughs) correlate. They're not the same. Like you're tracking one thing here, but you actually want this other thing over there. Weight loss and fat loss are similar. So it's very important from the front end that you set up and go, well, I want to reduce body fat because your process will be different Then, like, if you want to lose weight, I put up a post a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. If you want to lose weight, you know, get the flu and stop eating, you'll lose a load of weight. You know, if you wanna lose weight, dehydrate the shit out of yourself and you'll lose a load of weight. Don't do that, that's a terrible idea, but you'll (laughs) lose weight. Or move to the moon, where there's less gravity, you'll also lose weight, you know? And they're all things that affect weight loss, whereas fat loss, on the other hand, is about your nutrition, it's about your training, it's about your movement, it's about your sleep, it's about your recovery. All of these things impact your fat loss. And when it comes to the pyramid of prioritization with fat loss, the only thing you need to do is to get into a calorie deficit like that's the bottom it's not the it's not the only thing in terms of you shouldn't do anything else but it needs to be done in the sense that if you're in a calorie surplus it doesn't matter if you're doing that with chicken and broccoli or mcdonald's and burger king you're going to add weight you're going to add body fat you're going to increase those levels of body fat if there's too many calories coming in fat gain will go up you know and for anyone unfamiliar with the calorie deficit it's just whatever your maintenance calories are That's the number of calories you need to eat to stay around the same body composition, same weight, same body fat, et cetera. A calorie deficit is any number below that. And what a calorie deficit does means you're getting less food into your body or less calories into your body than you need so that you can tap into store body fat and utilize that and burn it for fuel. That's a calorie deficit. So you can do that through fasting. You can do that through paleo. You can do that through a vegan diet. You can do that through a keto diet. You can do that through flexible dieting. You can do that through using your favorite foods. It, It really doesn't matter. It's largely down to the individual what you want to do and what you want to apply in order to get into that deficit now when it comes to the generalities that will work for people there's that bottom that's the bottom of the pyramid if you picture a pyramid triangle it's at the bottom then on top of that it's going to be things like you know your food choices your protein requirements like protein there's the three macronutrients protein carbs and fats but protein if you're trying to change your body composition if you're trying to reduce your body fat. Probably becomes the most important one for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to speed up your recovery between sessions if you're choosing to work out, but it's also very satiating. It's yeah. also got the same kilocalories per gram as say carbohydrates. So yeah. if you're eating, you know, hundred grams worth of carbohydrates or hundred grams worth of protein, you're going to feel so much fuller on that protein yeah. and you're, you know, same kilocalories per gram. So hitting protein requirements can help a lot of people with their fat reduction. Then after that's going to be your training and your movement. So like you're moving around, like you don't have to work out in the gym this is something i tell my females all the time if you can brilliant it'll speed up progress if yeah. you do bodyweight workouts at home brilliant it'll speed up progress but if you're just hitting a step target or you know working at a standing desk or you know moving more throughout the day like that right. will work for a lot of people when it comes to fat reduction now if you want to tone up if you want to build muscle you need resistance training there too but yeah. for just general fat loss you actually don't need to work out at all provided that your nutrition is dialed in okay. and then after that's going to be things like your sleep for lots of reasons that people don't think like when it comes to sleep, there's obviously the recovery element. Like anyone that's ever woke up after a bad night's sleep, you know how crap you feel. You want to lie down on the couch all day. You don't want to be moving. So your your things like your neat activity, your non-exercise activity, thermogenesis that goes down when you haven't slept well. So you're not burning as many calories. Also, if your resistance training are actually working out, your recovery is going to go down. So you're not going to have your increase in metabolic rate. Your metabolic rate is affected in your metabolism. Like the amount of calories you burn while you're resting, which Again, can get underutilized with a lot of females if you know they jump on cardio and they're doing a lot of cross trainer or running. I'm like, don't miss the element of resistance training because yeah. that literally. Boost your metabolism. It means you'll burn more calories while you're watching TV or reading a book. Yeah. i like, that's the real secret to long-term fat loss with people, yeah, with yeah. females in particular. And then when it comes to sleep, that recovery will go down. And then you have the imbalance in hormones, things like yeah. ghrelin and leptin, you know, your hunger hormones, your satiation hormones, they become downregulated, which means that if you're not sleeping well and what that sleeping well looks like varies person to person. Some need seven hours, some need eight, some need nine hours plus. It really depends on finding what your sweet spot is, but those hormones get downregulated. So that means ghrelin gets downregulated. You're hungry all the time. Leptin gets downregulated. You're not feeling full after you're eating. So when you look at generalities, that's kind of the pyramid that I would get people to consider. And then everything that's going to be specific to the individual will come off the back of that.
0: Absolutely. Okay. I love that at the start, you said, and I always say this, the scales are not the, most important thing at all, and like you probably get this people kind of want it to be 79 kg or whatever a number on the scales. And I suppose, why do they want to get that? It's an important question to ask what would be different for them as well, and kind of question what their values are on the scales. But also, it doesn't say a lot like it's not a very indicative measure of fat loss, as you said. So, it's really important that you're. You're explaining that well. So that's, I think you've cleared that off very well. But just, there-
1: just with that, MJ, just because you made a great point there and sorry to cut across here, but just to piggyback on what you said, like you don't go into a dress store and say you can wear this if you're 60 kilos. Like- yeah that's not, that's not what clothing does. And I think that can be really useful in terms of a mindset yeah. shift towards not focusing on the weight on the scale. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut across, but just you gave me that perfect point. And I literally point.
0: said that to one of my clients just yesterday. You don't go into a shop looking for that. And, you know, I suppose asking the question, what would be different for you if you are 79 kg? Like if they're still like a same dress size or whatever, but like they, we know you can come down and be smaller but still be the same number on the scales. And that's what happens when you do, I suppose, more resistance training and do tone up alongside your fat loss journey. Uh, there's so many things you said there that I want to touch in on. Um, one of the questions was, and you definitely kind of covered it, but when it comes to women or even men, whatever, in general, doing exercise, um, like what's your thoughts? And I know obviously you touched on resistance training being really important and i'm a huge advocate for the doing resistance training what about like other exercise like running do you think girls need to run to lose weight i know you do cover that a bit on your on your feed sometimes what's your thoughts on that running for fat loss
1: well i think it depends on the goal of the individual like if, if you're talking pure fat loss running will support that if you're talking pure fat loss Any cardiovascular activity will support that. Like there's a big misconception out there, MJ. And I know you've, you know, you know this from based on your background where people are like, oh yeah, well burn, cardio burns body fat. I'm like, cardio doesn't burn body fat. I'm like, cardio burns calories and burning calories can support a caloric deficit, which can help you tap into fat for fuel and that burns body fat. And I think that philosophy and understanding that basic principle of how you know physiology works and how food works is important because if fat loss is the goal running will support that if it's putting you into a calorie deficit if it's supporting that and it's the same with any cardiovascular activity running walking hiking fuck if you want to have hours of sex you could do it technically if you're able to you know want to go down the tantric route like if if, if like there's lots of different ways to do it you know so if fat loss is your goal then then it will help now as you mentioned there about resistance training i like it but for a different reason like resistance training increases your metabolic rate. you know the analogy i use for that is it's like making money while you sleep i'm like if you give someone the choice you know would you rather work 16 hours a day or make money while you sleep most people will tell you, well, I'd rather make money while I sleep. I'm like, well, that's what resistance training is like in comparison to cardio. I'm like, when you do cardiovascular activity, you burn more calories during the actual hour of training compared to say an hour of resistance training. But when you do resistance training, whether that's body weight, whether that's kettlebells, whether that's weights, barbells, machines, et cetera, you're going to burn more calories while you're resting. And as a result of that, you're going to, you know, burn be lying on the couch watching your favorite tv show watching love island watching the euros watching whatever it is and you'll be burning calories while you're doing that as your body repairs from that workout Mm -hmm. so it's the combination of both like it's not that one is better than the other they work in different ways based on the individual and based on the goal so if you wanted to run to lose fat you can you know? And if you like to run, like, I'm a big believer that unless you're trying to run a marathon or do a bikini competition or something along those lines, I'm like, do what you enjoy. I'm like, be consistent with what you're doing. Like that's the end goal. Like that's the end game. If you can be consistent with something, that's, what's going to set you up for success. If that's running brilliant. If that's hiking awesome. If that's cycling or swimming even better, you know, whatever you like, it's totally relative to the person. And if you don't like running, try something else you know try you know whatever it is pick up football you know if you don't like sport you know try going swimming outdoors or swimming in a pool like it really doesn't matter it's just about finding what you enjoy
0: yeah exactly yeah just a question though I do get girls or women asking me like they may never have done any sort of resistance training before and and they may never set foot in the gym either before like for them to get started can they do anything even at home or is there basic things that they can do to get started in that kind of um style of exercise because i know like again like i work with females who maybe have pcos and like resistance training would be the one that's proven to help uh, really support pcos and support fat loss in in those who have pcos so what would your recommendations be for those
1: yeah so what i like and again this really depends female to female but like what I like with doing with my girls and my programs is particularly those who have never lifted a weight in their life or who have what I call gym anxiety. Yeah. Where they, you know, they're anxious about going to the gym. What I like to do is, you know, a home-based program that's either body weight based or resistance training based ideally if they have dumbbells that's really all you need to be able to do an effective home workout and doing a lot of gym anxiety and a lot of issues around going to the gym for females and for guys this is actually funny because it's for both genders it's just that i know it gets associated with females more generally from my experience working in the you know fitness and health industry but with What I like to do with them is to do the workouts they would potentially be doing in the gym, but just do them at home. So, know, if you're doing a a push-pull leg split or you're doing a legs or you're doing a glute and hamstring workout at home, you're getting confident performing those movements. What happens with a lot of people when they have gym anxiety is that... They they have one, the fear that everyone in the gym is going to be looking at them, which is first and foremost isn't true. People in the gym are generally looking at themselves. And if they're looking at you, it's probably for a good reason because they're fancier, (laughs) they think you're attractive. So, like, that's a nice little thing for people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. You know, and it's so funny because even to digress for a second, like when I see people who are 100 pounds overweight, 150 pounds overweight at the gym, I'm like, yes, I'm like, this is where you should be. I'm like, like that motivates me when I see somebody doing that. Like, and I've been training my entire life and I see somebody coming in. I'm like, you're trying to make a change. Like that motivates the fuck out of me. Like, and that, that's what most people are like. And when it comes to training at home, all you're doing then is taking those exact workouts that you've been doing for two, three, four, five, six weeks and bringing them into the gym environment so that you know what you're doing when you go in. A lot of that anxiety comes from not knowing what you would do.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: You know, and it doesn't have you. Don't have to overcomplicate it. Like basic movement patterns when it comes to weights, you're you're pressing, you know, squats, variations of deadlifts, potentially, you know, with obviously perfect form, you know, pressing, rows, things along those lines. Yeah, like you yeah. don't have to reinvent the wheel with it. Get some basics, like those compound movements. Like people will regularly ask. I'm sure you get this MJ all the time on Instagram as well. Like, you know, what's the best exercise for burning fat? I'm like, well, there's no exercise that burns fat, but asterisks. There's exercises that are compound lifts and multi joint movements that require a lot of effort for your body, which can potentially burn more calories and thus might help you potentially burn fat faster, yeah. i.e., compound lifts, squats, deadlifts, presses, rows. So, if you're doing those movements at home with a dumbbell or a barbell or whatever you want to do, like that's how I would get started with those movement patterns. Yeah. Again, the reps, the sets, the rest is largely down to the individual, what they want to do, their goals, yeah. but that's how I would get started. Wow,
0: that's brilliant. And um, no, that's really, really helpful. And I think it's so true about the gym anxiety it's just like no one's looking at you and if they are it's for a good reason so just go Mm. and yeah focus on themselves really and they think people are looking at them but anyway um with i want to go back there right now to nutrition and at the very start you said you focus a lot on like nutrient-dense foods so obviously at the very you said in calorie deficit is really important but how do you help them and um, i'm going to go bring this in context of females and um, get a nutrient-dense diet because obviously they really need their complex starchy carbohydrates and they need their um healthy fats for um their hormones and stuff so do you find that it's um you have to really help them or educate them around how to get a nutrient dense diet within a calorie deficit. How do you work with that? Uh, or what's your kind of guidelines around that?
1: It depends on the individual. So. I've worked with beginners who I don't work off. I don't educate them on macros or anything along those lines to get started. Like all I give them in the beginning is some principles to stick to. Yeah. I'm like, right, make sure you get some protein in your major yeah. meals. Yeah. And here are some foods to kind of try and minimize potentially. And here are some foods to try and, you know, get as most of you can. And then there's other individuals who have been through plan and program and plan have like came to me where I'm like, right, cool. We're going to dial in your macros. Like we're going to go very specific with what macro split works for you. So yeah. there, there is a, there's a wide range on what can work for people in terms of where where they need the most support with. But what I would say is when it comes to nutrient dense foods, like there's some basic principles, like there's, I'm also a believer that there's no good or bad food. Like food, food has no morals. Like, you know, a piece of broccoli is not going to save you down a back alley and a chocolate bar is not going to stab you. Like that, that there's no, there's no good or bad food, but it's very easy to categorize, you know, McDonald's, chocolate crisps, they're bad. I'm like, "Mm, what do do you mean by bad though? I'm like, okay, are they high calorie? Yes. Are they low nutrient? Yes. But if you're eating one of them and that's helping you stay on plan with a good quality nutrient dense calorie intake for the rest of the day, I would argue that that bar, you know, or those packet of crisps that you factor into your calorie intake is a good food in this context. Now, if you're eating 10 of them, yeah, probably not that helpful on a fat loss plan. So context matters greatly, I think. Um, When it comes to nutrient density, then like, don't overthink it. Your complex carbohydrates, your quinoa, your rice, your sweet potato, your porridge oats, your healthy fats your olive oil your coconut oil your avocado your nut butters yeah. your complete protein sources your, your yeah. chicken your fish your you know red meat particularly for females yeah. like you know if you're vegan or plant-based you're just using more food combinations yeah. to kind of get all those essential nutrients that your body needs and yeah. then fruits and vegetables I'm a massive believer in both you know for, for for the micronutrients for the phytonutrients for everything that your body needs and then it's just a case of you know, how do I want to split up my day? How do I want to what what do I what foods do I like? Yeah. You know, the best nutritional plan is the one that includes foods that you enjoy, that's in alignment with your goals and that fits to your lifestyle and schedule. Like that's effectively it. What yeah. if you hit those t- three brackets, you're going to be successful with your nutritional plan in the yeah. short term and over the long term. So yeah. when it comes to educating people on nutrient density, it's like okay, well, what foods do you like? What do you enjoy? You know, yeah. and if there's other of your quote unquote favorite foods that might not be seen as you know clean or other language people would use bad i'm like okay well do we need to factor this in is, is this something you want to include like yeah. just the thought of not having a chocolate bar every day or a few bars or, or a few drinks a weekend make you miserable i'm like well if that's the case we probably should readjust your nutritional plan you yeah. know if you're not trying to step on stage as a bodybuilder or a bikini or a physique athlete, i'm like life's not about being on one big diet. It's about yeah. finding something that helps you stick within your caloric plan for the most part, where you have a nice little balance where your fat reduces and you're not being completely restrictive um, or worse falling into a binge restrict cycle, yeah. which can happen. Yeah. So that's how I would kind of approach. And I think the individual then is, is going to be, it's going to matter based on each person, based on their starting point.
0: Yeah. You know that's a really good balanced approach to have that flexibility to add your, your fun foods, whatever you want to call them in your, your diet as well. And like like, like that what you're saying like there's no good or bad I'd be the exact same as yourself and like it'd be like one healthy meal doesn't make you skinny or lose weight whereas one bad meal is also not going to make you gain fat or you know you are you haven't completely ruined your progress. it's what you do on a consistent basis like what you yeah. said with exercise it's the consistency what you do all the time that really counts uh, so I suppose like to get into um, a little bit around like female female health really and the menstrual cycle and the implications of that on I suppose fat loss and you know the the energy depletion that they can that we can get and cravings that some women can get as you're saying like what um what's your thoughts on that even and what's your approach with working with females on that do you ed- like do you find you need to educate them on getting like about their female cycle or do you even do that or do you just um kind of see how it goes with each with, with each client that you're working with
1: I generally see how it goes because yeah. similar to the education question you asked earlier, there's such a wide range of yeah. how people fall or how my, my girls fall that I work mm-hmm. with. And um, the general things I see are normally either really low energy levels the week before and kind of a mood disruption the week before kind of PMSE versus the craving element or a combination of all three. Now, when it comes to w- body compositional change when it comes to the menstrual cycle when it comes to periods time of the month etc like there's people out there way better to speak on the topic than me but when it comes to the nutritional and body compositional change element that's kind of my area of expertise with this and just just to kind of give clarification for people listening like if you're talking your lunar cycle and you know what you should be doing with your creativity levels and all that I'm like I'm not your person for that yeah, yeah. But what I can say is listen to your body and if you're getting cues and the same responses every month like what's yeah. one of the upsides and I, I think making my females aware of this is useful is one of the upsides of your period is you get it every month so that means that it's happening consistently and how your body's responding for the most part assuming that you're not adding in a contraceptive pill or you're not doing anything drastic that's upsetting your cycle yeah you're going to have yeah. similar symptoms every month yeah. you know your energy levels consistently drop a few days before, or your cravings consistently ramp up the week before or the week off. Like again, that varies person to person too. It's really, really different based on the individual. So what I'd say is you put a plan in place around what consistently happens. So what I would look at with an example of a female whose energy levels would drop we would do like a training peak in yeah. the lead up to the cycle, and then we would back off and do you know what would be effectively a deload the yeah. week off. So let's say for example, you feel perfect for three weeks of the month, and then yeah. week four every month your energy levels just go whoop, they 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 plummet completely. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have a couple of options there you look at your nutrition and say well what's going to help you here balance wise you know do you need to bump up your fats is that the thing that balances you out or is it a a carbohydrate thing like that's effectively carbohydrates job is to give you energy different people respond to different things based on their fat adaption based on their metabolic flexibility based on their carbohydrate intake throughout the rest of the month etc so there's lots of different things there so you'd look at that but with training you'd back off so you would have an exceptionally intense week the week before and then you would back off the week off. So what I would do is, you know, in one of my programs, my BKF online, we normally do a ramp up on a training on week three, but I'll have some of my girls who will be like, look, I've got my period this week. My energy levels are gonna be crap. So I'm like, okay, we'll back off and we'll hold off on this training load until two weeks after when you're feeling better. So you're making those adjustments. The same with the cravings then, like I'm a big fan of calorie cycling when it comes to craving and changes. You know, the, the next book, the nutrition book that's out in October, I have a chapter in there here on this, on calorie cycling around your time of the month, okay. which basically means that if fat loss is your goal, you need to be in an overall caloric deficit. Now that doesn't mean you need to be in a deficit every day. It no. means you need to be in a calorie deficit over the space of, you know, several days, several weeks, the month, etc. So you could actually be in a surplus on a cal on one day or one week at a deficit the rest of the week, assuming you make the adjustments. Yeah. So what that might look like, really arbitrary example here again you would need to do the numbers yourself work yeah. with the individual your coach or you know calculate your own tdd and make the adjustments for people listening but just to give an, an idea let's say your maintenance calories are you know 2 calories and you want to be in a deficit throughout the week so 1,800 calories would be a pretty standard start for people there. I'm like yeah. 200 calorie deficit, that will work quite well. But yeah. let's say you get really bad cravings, you know, once a week, you know, once one week of the month. Yeah. What I would probably look at there is I would go week one, 1,800 calories, week two, hundred calories. Week three, when the cravings go, ramp it up to maybe 2,200 calories so that yeah. you can have your chocolate, have your extra bars. And then the week after, maybe drop it down to, you know, 1,600 or 1,400, like whatever, and balance it out that way. Like that would keep you in a deficit. So your body fat will still reduce over the month, but it means that you didn't have to, you know, tear your hair out because you wanted a chocolate bar on that craving week. So yeah. you can make those adjustments. Again, I'm using very arbitrary numbers and just to give people an yeah. idea, but yeah. that concept and that principle will still work for fat loss and you're making those adjustments. And again, it depends on the person that works brilliant for some people, other people like to just power through and it's just everything in between. So that's something to consider if it's something that you're listening to now and you struggle with that you hadn't thought of before.
0: Yeah, I agree. I would definitely up the, my client's calories around the week before the period and the week of, and it's funny, like, I think it's can be a mindset thing, something once they know that they actually have that maneuvering there, they don't even nearly use them half the time, It's just like, oh, at least I know I can have that chocolate if I want it. But like, they may not actually have it because a lot of the time, like, I do agree that there is cravings. It's a natural thing that occurs due to the rev up in progesterone, your hormones are fluctuating. It is. And some women really get them. But sometimes I just think it's a, a thing where we just think every woman is going to just eat a tub of ice cream and chocolate we have to do this because it's a week of her period but we might not necessarily actually genuinely have the physiological craving so it's just maybe can be a mindset thing so allowing yourself to have those calories can make people feel a little bit more relaxed and be like okay i have them there if i need them i don't have to actually use them so i i agree with that approach a lot in upping in the calories just for both a mindset thing and a physiological thing as well um but yeah, like as well as you were saying, there are body compositional changes around the the time of the month too. Do you like you could be looking really lean and trim the first two weeks of the month of your cycle, and then you come to the the latter week, and you know yourself you got more fluid retention and bloating. Like so, this happens a lot with girls and women that they just kind of think that it's it's fat gain. Again, again, you kind of touched on this, but again, what's your thoughts on that and uh, helping? do you help girls talk about that or work with them on that? Or is that something that you.
1: A hundred percent like that, that that's the high end of education on weight loss versus fat loss. Like that's something I will spend a lot of time with some of my girls because what happens from my experience and I've a long time in this game working with people is when girls time of the month comes and they're starting to see in their photos or their body or their jeans are tighter that you know they feel like they've regressed massively and then they press the it button completely and they're like oh i'm just gonna eat whatever i'm not gonna bother it's not working and i'm like hold on now i was like this is weight gain i'm like this is hormonal this is fluid retention this is all these things going on in your body physiologically that are impacting the way that you look this week i'm like that I think that and understanding that, so like I'm a believer now, it depends on what you're using as your tracking metrics. I like photos. I'm a big believer, big fan of photos. They really generally don't lie how your clothes are fitting on another one, yeah. you know, but, but you have to take a wide angle view on that. You know, it's the same as watching your hair grow. Like you don't want see your hair growing every day, but if you look at it from the space of a month or two months, it's very noticeable if your hair is growing or not. And body composition is very similar especially with females around their time of the month. Because if you look at your week one photo, you look at your week three photo, and you're like, oh my God, I've gone back so much. But you've had your period or your PMSy that week, particularly, you're going to have a, a change in those photos. But give yourself another week, give it another two weeks, another three weeks, and then compare them. And you'll be able to gauge it better. So it's an expectation, aligning the expectations that, look, your body's not going to look a certain way all the time, especially if you're somebody whose body responds in a very—I won't say negative way—that's a really poor way to put it—responds It, it responds in a in in a hormonal way yeah. because some yeah. are, some are better than others. Like some females are totally fine. Some get you know sore boobs. They, yeah. They'll they'll be a bit moody, but they actually don't get that bloated. and They don't get yeah. that. Some are some are fine. Whereas yeah. others like they just they swell. Like if they've got a history of you know IBS or leaky gut, and then their period comes, like it tends to get so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's lots of different moving parts here. But education is really key. And then taking kind of a wide angle, you know, 3,500 air view, bird's eye view on your progress over time and realize that you're not going to progress or seemingly progress every single day or every single week. It's about what you're doing consistently over time. Now, with that being said, if you're not progressing for whatever reason and you've got six weeks running it, you have feedback that what you're doing isn't working. So it's not a period thing, it's not a time of the month, it's not a menstrual cycle thing, it's yeah. a process problem. You yeah. have an issue with your calories, with your movement, you're not burning as many calories as you think. You've yeah. miscalculated how many what it takes to get into a deficit. That's feedback. So yeah. I think it's it's understanding that, but taking a wide angle view on it is always going to be the most important thing yeah. uh, because you're going to have those fluctuations week to week.
0: hundred percent. And I suppose there's not much point, I think anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are in this, in weighing, like looking at your, I say, obviously you're not, say if you are using the scales, for example, uh, and you're getting like a, an average cost of week, every week, as uh, so you weigh yourself every morning and you get an average, but if you're weighing, using that average from, say the week of your period and then the week before there's not much point in comparing those weeks is there i think it's, it's i believe it's probably better to compare say the month before like and that would be a more accurate uh, indicator if there was a change there so like what was your week for like or your period week like uh the month before in terms of the scale weight and then the scale weight then a month later do you mm-hmm. get what i mean i think that would be more 100%. an accurate way yeah it's instead because the week you're going to be different numbers on the scales as we know a lot anyway but like in any given month with, with your period it is most likely going to go up just with you know you're obviously you're even your uterus is bigger do you know what i mean because you've got more storage there basically you're holding blood there so that's bigger you're holding on to more water so you're just naturally going to be a little bit bigger on the scales at that month and i think it's so so important like you do to educate females on that and let them know it's nothing to be Nothing to be really overly concerned about. It's not that you haven't done any damage or done regressed at all. It's just a natural process, part of the female anatomy, basically.
1: Yeah, uh, perfectly said.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, like now, like we've kind of really touched in on most things in relation to females fat that I really wanted to cover with yourself. Um, anything else you want to touch on the ratio of female fat loss. Do you think you probably covered everything you'd normally say, would have you? <laughs> I
1: guess the only other thing I'd say is, and this isn't to this is across the board to both genders or you know, gender fluid, however many yeah. genders or pronouns you want to put on it. It's 2021, so I've got to be yeah. careful what I say. But when it comes to females. One other thing that I'm always wary of is be very mindful where you're getting your information from. Now, I think people listening to your podcast, MJ, that's not going to be an issue. People who listen to my podcast, not going to be a problem because there's a lot of noise out there that confuses people when it comes to basic nutrition. And from my experience, females can trip up on it more so than males, partly because there's more people marketing the message to them and you know your slimming worlds your your yeah. slimming clubs all of these things out there they're generally marketed towards females not always but generally marketed towards females yeah. and you have to be very mindful of where you're getting your information from like i had somebody message me on instagram dm i think it was 2 weeks ago now asking me you know does does a mashed banana have the same calories as a mm-hmm. full banana and i was like Yes, she was. I was like, "Where the fuck did you hear that?" She was like, "Oh, Slimming World." I was yeah. like, oh, I, was, I was like, "Tell Karen from Slimming World, shut up!" Like, like, Karen, like it, it's just it's crazy. That like that like are th- things that are just. So ludicrous, you know, this nutritionist, you know, this like it. There's it's so ludicrous, but yes, they, these are things being peddled out there that yeah, you know, there's yeah. more sins in a mashed banana than a non mashed banana. You yeah. know, there's the the, the the calories change when you blend the food versus they don't. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah. I was like, the blood, I was like, the fiber breaks down, the blood sugar may have an impact, but the calories don't change. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, their are basic nutritional principles and education that it's very important that people understand. You don't have to go into the weeds with it, you don't need to know the yeah. chemical makeup of of a sweet potato but it is worth knowing that a mashed banana and a full banana have the same amount of calories based on the size of it like and that misinformation can confuse people and that's why it frustrates me so much because that's confusion confusing and frustrating if you're somebody who's trying to hit a specific goal with fat loss or body composition change And you're doing what you think is right and not getting the results. That's such an incredibly frustrating place to be. And you can minimize or guard against that by consuming the right information online. So I just wanted to add that because I think it's it's definitely in the, the age we're in, it's an important message for people, both genders, but just female specific in this case.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Like, I suppose most clients that are coming to me have had a history of working with someone who's either misinformed or miseducated, or mis- them basically or being in a slimming club or something like that and have you have to kind of tailor back and start to re-educate them again and like those mm-hmm. foods aren't bad and you can eat this and it's okay to do this and eat you can have protein and carbs together I actually had someone asked me before is it okay to eat protein and carbs together does that affect the digestion of one of them I was like no 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 it's okay you can have yeah. these foods together it's fine and <laughs> um, so just very quickly before we leave um and kind of on that note like on like someone being really really frustrated and sick of the thing and maybe not making progress in terms of a mindset thing like what would be your advice for someone moving into this space they want to get you know lose a bit of weight or lose a bit of fat, fat more so and um, maybe have had a history of dieting before or just so sick of the process like what would be your general guidelines just to kind of approach this in a more positive way, maybe, and that it doesn't have to be so overwhelming. Uh what would you have any guidelines around that?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple. Like when I think of someone that's came off the back of yo-yo dieting that needs to be kind of re-educated, as you said there, MJ, that be very mindful and this kind of doubles back on my point and I will go in a different direction like be very mindful of who you're following like yeah. on social media on Instagram on TikTok on Facebook on you know podcasts on blog posts on books you read be very very mindful because what can happen is you're going to get so many conflicting ideas when it comes to diet, in particular, that can confuse people, and that just makes things worse for the most part. So, I generally tell people have two, three, maybe four people max that you follow online who 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 you take as gospel. Like you, you know, you're following UMJ, you're following me potentially, or you know, other coaches or other nutritionists or other dietitians out there and you're you're following what they're saying because you're not diluting the message by taking in all this contradictory information from too much stuff online so yeah. i think that's a good starting point for people i, I think you. after uh, yeah i think after that then like it's the mindset shift. I've got two mindset shifts when it comes to nutrition that I think is very useful for most people to adopt. And the first, as I've touched on already was not separating food into good or bad categories. I think that belief system, something that's really useful, my daughter's six, and I think it's useful for her to separate foods into good and bad categories. But if you're 26, 36, 46, it's not very useful. That's a belief system that you have that is no longer serving you and you probably need to discard it or re-educate yourself around it in order to discard it the second one then is that you know failure is feedback meaning that all the failed diets all the yo-yo diets have given you feedback on what hasn't worked in the past and now it's time to go for a different solution you know Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting Mm -hmm. a different result and it's very tempting to jump back into a slimming club to jump back onto a point system or a sin system because what what it worked before like i had a client i remember back when i back when i used to do one-to-one pt and she came in and she's like oh she was you know 30 pounds overweight and she was like oh i was doing slimming world i was doing weight watchers she was like they worked i was like i looked at her and i was like they didn't though i was like you're here with me i was like they didn't work she was oh no i did she goes i lost a load of weight i'm like but but you're here with me and you're 30 pounds overweight and i was like she she was looked at me and I'm like, I was like, well, they worked for the short term, but they didn't work. I was like, because yeah. you wouldn't be here if they worked. And it's very tempting for people, particularly with those restricted plans, to go back to them because yeah. they're like, well, they worked before. I'm like, but they, they didn't though I was like, you wouldn't be yeah. in your starting point here if they worked. I know. So but look they,
0: at it. They think. It's, yeah, but people do. They, but they think it's a, a, their own issue. They blame themselves. And that's the problem with them. It's like, I wasn't strong enough. I didn't have enough willpower to stick with it. No, it wasn't sustainable enough. You couldn't stick with it because you were starving or you were too restricted. basically. That's the reality of it. <laughs>
1: hundred percent. Like that just completely nails the hammer on the head. Like that was the problem with it. It wasn't you. You're not the problem. Although you have to take ownership and responsibility for the choices you make, but that failure is feedback. As long as you don't go back to it again, like don't make the same mistakes over and over again, you know, but, at the end of the day, it wasn't your fault. Like, and I, as I said, I'm a big believer in take responsibility, take ownership, but also don't take on the shit that doesn't belong to you. I'm like working with those clubs who are giving you crap information on basic nutrition and starving you and telling you to do X, Y, and Z, which yeah. isn't sustainable long-term, isn't your fault. Yeah. You fell into that and this was the system that was there that was broken. So take a step back, be a little bit more compassionate towards yourself yeah. and yeah. look at it at something going forward that you can stick to. And I think, when it comes to the mindset, that's probably the angle that I would come at and that I would get people to consider because that would probably be the most supportive system or belief systems that they could have going forward.
0: Yeah. Like this is something that you want to do for the the rest of your life. You don't have to be in a calorie deficit for the rest of your life, but you want to be a certain weight that's you know healthy and a good body comes in for the rest of your life. It shouldn't be so overwhelming and restricted. like we want to be able to get through every single day like with a bit of fun and joy as well and have the things that we like and not be so overwhelmed with uh, like this off, like cr- incredibly awful information that you get from these places at times but anyway I think that um you've really summed that up very well and everything in, in general and um, I think this is going to really be helpful for um obviously females who want to I wanted to get you on to really talk about fat loss and I think you did really well to help someone who's starting off with general guidelines. It's so so important to touch on those, whether male or female anyway. And uh you touch on the nutritional density, adding that in and making sure that you have a good diet as well and not neglecting that. And then obviously the importance of the scale weight and things like that. I think that's always a really important thing to touch on as well when it comes to fat loss, not to focus primarily on that. Um, but yeah, everything really uh, has been really well explained. And I think women are going to get a lot from this in relation to cravings, their cycle, uh, how the weight fluctuates at different times of the month so really really helpful i think for um for girls out there but i think that's everything i wanted to cover with you uh i thank you so much brian for coming on i it's been a really really very informative podcast and um, anything else you want to add final note
1: <laughs> no no that's everything yeah. MJ, keep spreading the awesome yeah. message for people i've had a blast coming on thank you so much um and i think it's so valuable for people listening that they're consuming good information like what you're putting out there so keep doing what you're doing
0: Likewise. Thank you again. I'll chat to you soon. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye.